Welcome. In today's episode, I talked to Leadership Wiley Class 20 participant Gary Neidert. Gary is retired, but still keeping busy with some freelance marketing and other projects, including the My First Ride podcast. Welcome to the show, Gary. Uh, well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. So I want to start uh, start the podcast in a little different direction in terms of where we've started previous podcasts. So what are the most important things I need to know about you to understand who you are? <laughs> Good question. Um, well, I'll, I'll go back to the podcast, my first ride podcast. And I, I talk about, uh, I'm a car guy without a car to tinker on <laughs> or tinker with. And so that's, that's part of it. And, um, enjoying retirement uh and enjoying <laughs> keeping up with grandkids and all kinds of stuff how many grandkids you got three three and and they're all three in uh, wiley isd oh that's awesome yeah what, how old are they uh 12 9 and 6. okay so you got you got a bit of a range there and um i've got a one and a three-year-old so Oh my, wow! Yeah, my my life's chaos. Um, <laughs> but just watching my parents interact with my kids, I'm, there's just a special bond between grandparents and grandkids for sure. Yeah. Are your parents able to help y'all out mm -hmm. with, with the activities? Yeah, that's that's. I'm very grateful. Both both sides of uh, both my parents and my wife's parents are both able to help out. Some her parents live two hours away out in Mount Pleasant. Um, oh wow. And then my parents live in McKinney. So yeah. um, we try not to uh, lean on them too much, but we are absolutely grateful whenever they do help us. <laughs> um, uh, it definitely makes things easier and uh, it allows our kids to have that relationship with the, with their, with their grandparents, which I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what is, so you mentioned, your grandkids are in Wiley ISD. Is that your connection to Wiley or what do you live in Wiley? What's your Wiley origin story? Well, um, I actually live in Saxe. Well, forgive uh, me for that. But I can, yeah, but I consider Wiley my hometown. Mm -hmm. Um, in the early nineties, uh, I moved, I grew up in Denison okay. and I moved to Garland, uh, to go to work down here. And I kept driving through Wiley going, this is kind of a cool little town. And uh, one of my clients lived in Wiley. And so I kept driving through and driving through. And I, I mean, this is back in the nineties when, mm -hmm. uh, it was a two lane farm to market road going down the middle 78. And, uh, and my, I eventually met my wife. She lived in Wiley. And so we lived here and, till 96 somewhere around there then we moved to rockwall and uh we lived in rockwall up until 2017 and my daughter son-in-law grandkids had moved uh, to saxe they built a house here and and uh, so we decided to move to saxe to be close to them to help with the kids and that's what we did so and i'm glad we moved here it's uh it's been very enjoyable awesome so what made you want to join leadership wiley uh well it goes back to my daughter um she um she's actively involved in uh, uh the wiley education wiley ic education foundation okay and uh so she had talked me into going through class uh at wiley isd and very much enjoyed that and then she kept saying you need to go to leadership wiley you need to go to leadership wiley and I thought, well okay and so i i thought about it and and i thought yeah i want to do that because i figured it would be a good opportunity to uh i mean i got to know a lot about wiley through class and um I figured this would be an opportunity to, to learn a whole, a whole lot more about Wiley, the, the backstory, if you want to call it that. And, uh, so that's, that's how I wound up in leadership Wiley. Awesome. And so for those that aren't familiar, class is essentially leadership Wiley, except for the ISD specifically, correct? 
I'm sorry, say again. Oh, class is uh, essentially leadership Wiley, except specifically for the ISD, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. and oddly enough, when I first walked into uh, the room uh, in September, I went to sit down at this table and there was only one chair there available. I looked over at the guy next to me. I'm going, gosh, you look so familiar. Where, where do I know you from? And it turns out, uh, Stephen, I forgot his last name. Davis. Uh, okay. Stephen Davis was, he had spoken several times at, uh, class. Okay. And so that was good to be able to have that connection there. Yeah. And I know Wendy wasn't able to be with us in on the opening retreat, but she'll be, um, she's the executive director of the Wiley Education Foundation. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure your daughter and her interact a lot. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. And, and I've got to meet Wendy through, oh, okay, uh, great. through my daughter. Uh, my daughter's Chrisley Herman. So I, oh, okay. I don't know. If, yeah. I've, I, I know of her. I don't know her personally, okay. but I know who she is. Yeah. So what was your favorite part about our opening retreat uh, in September? Uh, I, I think it was the, the disc assessment. I mean, I enjoyed meeting the people, mm -hmm. but the disc assessment was cool to, because I had taken that before in 2016. And, and I wasn't sure how much different it was going to be when I took it again. And it turns out it was pretty much the same thing as what it was in 2016. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, it was pretty in insightful to, to try to get a better understanding of my personality makeup and, and why I do things and why I approach things the way I do. Um, but I, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed going to the, um, that, I forgot what the name of it was that, uh, group dynamics. After, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And, uh, it was fun to watch that. I, I didn't get, I didn't get up on the, the, the lines and stuff like that. Yeah. My knees don't do well with that, but it was yeah. fun to watch, uh, people do the zip line. So, yeah. 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 The zip line's a little, um, I'm always a little afraid to do it. Um, but if in terms of high ropes courses, group dynamics is probably the only place I do it just something about like, you're not too far up the ground. Yeah. Like I couldn't imagine me doing zip lining through the, like the jungles of Costa Rica, but at group dynamics, I, I talk myself into it. Oddly enough, I, I would probably do Costa feel, Rica. I, I could do the Costa Rica thing. <laughs> I don't know why, but, yeah. uh, it, it'd be cool to go through the treetops on that. Yeah. Well, if it's only zip line, your knees other than landing, Yes. Aren't as in use as on some of the other challenge course items, yes. which were very lower body uh, specific. So I can understand the difference for you. For yeah. Sure. Now, in watching uh, a couple of guys, uh, I forgot what his name is, but uh, he, as he was going through there, I'm going, oh, that dude's going to be so sore tomorrow. <laughs> 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 That's funny. Um, yeah, you mentioned the disc assessment, taking it, it previously in 2016. And again, now, um, now that you're retired, I'm wondering, did your disc assessment, there was two parts of it, like you're innate and then you're like who you are at work. Um, did you have, uh, any difference in between those two? Uh, now that I guess the work part is more retirement um i guess how did you answer those questions in terms of the work piece actually even at, at the uh, what what's it called the uh, adaptive mm. in that in that it adaptive mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh it was a little stronger uh the second go round okay and uh, in and in looking back on this I, I kind of realized about why some parts of what I did before in my job would drain me uh, because it was really outside of the norm for my personality and, and my, my natural abilities and whatever. Mm -hmm. But I kept doing it, and, and it worked out. But mm -hmm. uh, in, in going through um, the assessment, 
um, at the retreat, I, that that dawned on me. I'm going, well, no wonder I, I was kind of grumpy. I was I was acting. There was friction. Uh, yes, I was acting in a role that I really wasn't designed to play. Mm -hmm. I guess I could explain it like that. Uh, but you know, uh, I did well with what I what I was doing, and so mm -hmm. it all worked out. Yeah, and I you you served for quite a while in that role, correct? I did. Um, 27 years, something like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm wondering also like how much that role, like you, by the end, how much you had it adapted to your, your, you know, natural style versus like when you had first started, if, if the disc assessment would have come up with, you know, differences there of like having to adapt. Cause I know for me, as I've grown throughout my career, like you just get more comfortable with what you like, what you don't like, and you find mm -hmm. ways to make the stuff you don't like less and you start being mm -hmm. more yourself and less. Okay. I got to be a specific yeah. type of person. So I think it would have been, it would be interesting to go back to 27 you know, at the beginning of your career there and, uh, and, and see what the disc assessment would have said. Yeah. And, and I think towards the end, um, it was getting, um, I think you used the word, there was friction there. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a lot more internal friction with going, um, this just doesn't seem to suit me for what I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you know, late in the career, you know, how, how hard would it be to change careers at that point in life? Mm -hmm. And, and I just kind of stuck with it. Fair so. enough. So what are you currently looking forward to in the, uh, up, upcoming classes for leadership Wiley? Um, getting to learn about some of the inner workings of the city of Wiley and getting to meet, uh, some of the people, um, not only in the class, you know, getting to uh, getting to know some of the people there, uh, but getting to know some of the people in the community of Wiley as we're going through the different segments of it. And, and uh, it's going to be pretty interesting to go to um, go to Austin. I think it's February, mm -hmm. um, and that uh, that should be a lot of fun to see mm -hmm. that. And uh, my uh, my nephew was working for someone down there as an intern, uh, this last, the last few months. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that he'll be down there, but, uh, he had some interesting things to say about, about all that. So. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Last year they were in session. So I'm interested to see the contrast between in session and not in session and what, what all, if there, if there is a difference, I'm sure there is, but, uh, we'll yeah. see. Were you able to sit in, in the chambers to to observe what was going on uh we went to the chambers but they were not there so uh. we saw them but they were not actively um in that part of the session uh but yeah. everybody was on you know all the representatives and stuff were on uh i'm the word that's coming to mind is campus but i know that's not correct in, mm -hmm. uh, at the capitol right uh, in the offices so yeah um so we'll see what I'll report back on if there's any, any, uh, what the differences would be, uh, yeah. from one year to the next. Were you able to meet, uh, any of the representatives from this area? Yes. We met Candy Noble. Um, okay. Yeah. And went to her office and met with her team and she, she did part of the tour and showed us where she sits and her desk and all of that and kind of gave her, gave us the, uh, overall of what she's doing and everything like that. So we were, we able, able to meet, uh, one of our representatives, which was cool. Yeah. Hey, do you ever met her before? Uh, I had seen her before at various events around here, you know, chamber luncheons and things like that, but I had never, uh, had the chance to meet her. Yeah. I guess if that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. 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 So I want to get into, um, your career a bit. Um, we kind of talked about it a little bit in re relation to the disc assessment. So we're currently retired, uh, but tell us a little bit about the journey up to retirement. Um, how far back you want to go? Up to you. <laughs> um, I started 
Well, I, I was, um, I was just looking for work, a uh, sales position. And I answered an ad in the newspaper, uh, back when the newspaper was, was around <laughs> and, uh, it, it was a, uh, production company and I'm responded, I go in, do the interview and they produced the Dallas and the Fort Worth home and garden shows. I didn't even know the shows existed. I didn't know what they were. And, uh, but the position sounded, you know, kind of cool. And, uh, it was just a matter of contacting people to participate in the home and garden shows, set up a booth in the shows and things like that. And, uh, so it progressed on the company was purchased by a group out of Houston international exhibitions. And then it became the Texas home and garden shows. Uh, and they had shows in Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Austin, San Antonio. And uh, so I began to learn a whole lot about the industry. And, and it was really cool to be able to do that. It, it was a, it was a kind of thing that was unusual. It, it was, you know, selling an intangible, uh, you know, you sell a, a booth space and what people could do and the business they could get from the show if they worked their booth. And, uh, and it was different from, from being like, uh, you know, selling office equipment or insurance or whatever. And it, it was a lot of fun. I, I had some uh, really great clients uh, during that time. And, uh, and I learned a lot. Uh, I, I went on a journey to try to learn more about how I could sell more exhibit space through maybe unconventional means as would be considered by the, the employer. They, they didn't want to think too much out of the box and, and I tended mm -hmm. to try to think out of the box. And so, but it was good. It was really good. Um, yeah, it sounds like you were selling, uh, potential, uh, more than you were selling, like, like you said, the hard good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There was a guy that uh, marketing guy that I used to listen to and follow a lot. And, uh, and his, he would always say, <clears throat> they're selling the dream. And, uh, and that's what we were doing, selling the dream of being mm -hmm. able to uh, set up in a show and meet a whole bunch of uh, prospects and get signed up and get business out of the show. So selling the dream. So what, if somebody who has a sales job, uh, listens to this, what would be your advice to them, uh, coming from, uh, having had so much experience in that space? Listen to what the customer wants and figure out a way to sell the customer in a way they want to be sold. Um, I would see a lot of times. Um, a salesperson try to sell how they wanted to sell, but the customer didn't respond, uh, so well to it. And, um, that's probably one of the biggest things that I, that I observed in all that. And that's what I would recommend to somebody getting into sales, sell how the customer wants to buy. Now that might go against the grain of, of some companies, but I've seen that work. Yeah. It, do, it drives me nuts when someone sends like a cold email and they're like, I've been researching you and it seems like you may be in the market for fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And, and then they go on to say other things and you're just like, you clearly haven't been researching me. Cause if you had, you would know that like, I offer this service. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I don't want that. Like, why would I? Yeah. Um, so yeah, listening to the customer about what they actually want versus just assuming you're the right answer for everything. Yeah. I completely yeah. agree with that. Not everybody's going to buy what someone is selling. No. And, and that, um, not everybody is a prospect. Right. And that's a hard one to accept sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, because it's, um, that, that, that just 
presents a lot of unnecessary energy to try to talk to everybody mm-hmm. about whatever someone's selling. Yeah. And, uh, so. Yeah. And I think sometimes people, it, it, it comes across as the, I'm a hammer and everyone's nails. So I'm going to hit yep. every nail, but sometimes it's screws who need a screwdriver. It's, you know, different, mm-hmm. you know, it, it doesn't, it, every product's not for everybody. And, yeah. Um, so how do you respond to the people that do a cold call to you, a cold email and how, how, how does that make you feel? I, and you've already talked about, you know, the, you know, you don't know really what I need, but mm-hmm. how do you respond to that? Do you just cut them off and not listen or, uh, yeah, I, and not much. trying to be rude, but you know, you yeah. just, I don't have time to listen to this. Yeah. So. The, Typically, I just don't respond at all um, because it'll come through email and I know they're sending that to a thousand (laughs) people, you know. Um, Sometimes I'll glance at it to see if it is something that I like have been looking for Mm -hmm. or a company I've been looking at and they happen to reach out at the same time. Like that did happen once I was looking at like a specific uh, credit card type um, and they happen to reach out around the same time. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like let's, let's chat. Um, mm-hmm. but for the most part it's just ignore nowadays. It's so hard with all the spam calls. Like mm-hmm. you'll pick up the phone and it'll be, uh, silent for a few seconds. And then you'll hear the click and the call mm-hmm. center, yeah. uh, background noise. And that gets it. If I hear the call center background noise, I'm out. Like mm-hmm. I immediately am like, okay, this is not a real call. This is, someone asking about my property or whatever and just like or my car you know warranty, <laughs> warranty. or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah my cell You've phone seen... service with at&t even though i yeah. don't have at&t you know like it's just like if i hear the click and then all of a sudden there's noise i'm out uh, yeah it's typically how i respond so usually i have to have heard of that company for me to respond uh but otherwise i just kind of ignore it right now that was one of the biggest challenges I had towards the end of the home and garden show career mm-hmm. was getting through to valid prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, because 10 years ago, 15 years ago, oftentimes you would be able to get people in an office. Mm-hmm. Whereas now people by and large are on a cell phone mm-hmm. and they're out like the home improvement industry. People are out in the field, uh, either at someone's home or whatever. They they don't stay in an office, mm-hmm. and their cell phone number is not published. So how do you do a cold call mm-hmm. to a phone call that you to a phone number that you don't know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and towards the end of the my time at the Home and Garden shows, I was trying to figure out a way to to bring people onto a podcast to interview them mm-hmm. and uh, just let them talk about their company and what they do. And maybe through that connection, through that uh, little bit of a relationship building, maybe it turned into a prospect, maybe it wouldn't, but mm-hmm. it would be great to have the connection either mm-hmm. way. And uh, I never did have the time to actually develop that mm-hmm. uh, to see if it was valid. Yeah. But uh, that's yeah. kind of how I approach the sales process is not going up to people who own businesses. I'm an accountant for background. Mm-hmm. Um, so going up to people who own businesses or, you know, I like to work with nonprofits. So if they are a part of a nonprofit or on the board of a nonprofit or whatever, with the attitude of making connection rather than like trying to hit them with sales. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I just feel like now, nowadays it's just so hard. Like, if I come up immediately with sales, like it's not like the red flags will go off and they are Mm -hmm. uninterested. Mm -hmm. Um, What about networking events? Are, are those productive for you? um, Again, I kind of approach it as I'm trying to make friends connections, especially locally. Like Mm -hmm. I live here. So if we never do business together, it's not a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather know where I live and 
be friends with you know, other mm-hmm. business owners and things like that. If we happen to, if you happen to be a client for me, great. If you happen to have a nonprofit that you may want accounting for, great. But mm-hmm. especially locally, like it's more about connecting and um, finding commonalities and um, and that over trying to sell services. Right now, right. thankfully, I'm in a in a situation where you know the bills are covered. Like I'm, you know, every anything else I bring in is is extra. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not having to go make that sale. Um, so I am afforded that ability to have that conversation and try and make a connection without business implications. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas maybe if I wasn't as financially secure it would be harder to approach it that way i guess yeah the the pressure would be on at that point to mm-hmm. yeah but the yeah. uh the desperate sales is not <laughs> not a good tactic either so i'm <laughs> no, uh, i'm grateful not. that i can just enjoy the connection with people and if something comes up in the future great yeah. uh but otherwise it's um i at least have somebody i know in the community yeah. I have a friend of mine who he is a website developer mm-hmm. and uh, he's real big into the uh, like the Allen Chamber of Commerce, Frisco Chamber of Commerce, trying to go there and and develop business through that. And uh, and it seems like he's spinning his wheels because mm-hmm. he keeps trying to sell people on Oh, you you gotta uh, let me help you do this. You know, uh-huh. let me help you get to number one on Google. And uh, yeah, no, and, I, uh, I don't get me wrong. I still mention, hey, I do accounting if you ever need anything. But yeah, it, that's not the starting point. Because also, I don't want that to define me either. I don't want yeah. that to be like, oh, there's Stephen the accountant. Like, I'd rather be <laughs> Stephen the friend, or I, you know, yeah. the dad, or the husband, or whatever. I'd rather that define me rather than whatever career I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. So now, now we're retired and we we're doing some freelance stuff. So what, what, what are you doing? What are you doing now that you're not in sales? Um, well, it's been mostly, (laughs) um, I've been trying to develop the, the podcast Mm -hmm. and, and that's been the challenge just because of other things in life that have come up. Uh, the last year and a half uh, issues going on, phys- medical issues going on with my mother and my mm-hmm. my uh, wife's mother. So that has taken up quite a bit of time to, to deal with that issue. I'm glad I was retired so that I could help with all that. But it's, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and with the grandkids, helping with the grandkids and mm-hmm. stuff. So it's been a challenge to try to put as much time into the um, podcast as alike, mm-hmm. but uh, still doing a little bit here and there. I don't know yeah. if that really answered your question or not, but. Well, how, how is that? Um, I guess one question I would, would have as a follow-up is um, how has your retirement evolved over the, cause when, when did you retire? Um, Okay, so I was in 2019. Um, I was laid off. Mm-hmm. Things were going slow at the company, and in fact, in September the next year, the COVID year, uh, they filed bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So I I missed out on all the furlough stuff, and mm-hmm. then uh, the next year, either 21 or 22, I was able to work for the competitor mm. of the company I was working for. And, um, and I was glad I was able to go back and do that, but it, it really pointed out to me the, the challenges like we've talked about of mm-hmm. meeting new people to get new business and all that kind of thing. And it, it got to the point where I, I, I'm, I've had enough. I've done, I'm done. I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the shows are good. The, the people that I work for, uh, were really great to work right. for. And, uh, but I was done. And so I was able to 
cut it off and retire. Hmm. And then shortly after that's when everything started uh, the, working with the physical stuff, the medical challenges of parents. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, so how, how has the time you've had evolved um, to today since, since you retired? Like what lessons have you learned over the, over that time frame? Um, I shouldn't have worried so much when I was working. <laughs> so, um, it's in, been, in, in what way worried, um, worried about how am I going to get the next sale? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period where things were really rocking in the home and garden show industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, shows were selling out. It was easy to get clients. And then in 2008, when all the, mm-hmm. that crazy mess happened, it, it took a big shift and, uh, so the intensity and, and I shouldn't have worried about how am I going to get in a business? It just, if I'd have let that go and just did what I could have been better. That's probably a big lesson is not, uh, not worry so much. So, uh, during this, during this period of being away from the home of garden shows, I've been able to, um, be more relaxed, hmm. uh, less stress in life. Um, probably better health. I've been able to take the time to start working out, go to the gym Mm -hmm. weekly, uh, which before I didn't do, uh, Mm -hmm. I I didn't have the nervous eating like I did. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been, it's been a whole lot better health wise and, uh, just to kind of slow down and, and go, Oh, I could go to a movie on Thursday afternoon if I want to. Mm-hmm. So that's been good. Awesome. What are some unexpected challenges that retirement's um, shown you? Dealing with um, dealing with the things like. Uh, getting signed up for social security, all the ins and outs of that, mm-hmm. uh, on Medicare. We went on Medicare, uh, planning for the future, looking at, okay, what are we going to do to make this, uh, to make this money, make money. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's been a, that's been a fairly big challenge, but we've been able to, to make it and do, do well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we've been able to do, uh, we're not real big in, in to travel right now, but we've been able to do whatever it is that we've wanted to do over mm-hmm. the last couple of years. And, uh, so. One of those things that, uh, you can do when you want to do, I noticed, or I noted that you, uh, took home three awards at three different car shows <laughs> last year with your 2000 Toyota Tacoma. Uh, yeah. how'd you become involved with car shows? When, um, when we lived in Rockwall, there was a car show that took place, uh, in May every year. And, uh, my wife puts together, uh, produces a music festival and this music festival would be in, down by San Antonio every year, the same weekend that that car show would take place. And I always wanted to go to it. I never got to go to it. Mm-hmm. So when we moved to Saxe, which was in 2017, uh, there was, um, it was bluegrass on Ballard in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I was able to go and, and take pictures of the cars and enjoy looking at them. And then I found out about other car shows that would be in Murphy. Mm-hmm. And there were two, two different places, now three different places that the same uh, organizer would have their car shows. Mm. And all, they also have it at Bass Pro, so- Pro Shops. Mm. So, I, uh, so I thought one, one year I thought, well, it was last year. I thought, you know, I wonder what happened if I put my truck in there. You know, it just just enter it in the car show just to enter it and maybe meet some people and, mm-hmm. and, uh, 
sure enough, I, I was in a category that I guess either no one else was in or the, the public didn't think the other vehicles that were in that class were worth, worth voting on. So, but uh, I got lucky and, and uh, got those awards three times. That's awesome. Yeah. When we first moved here, we moved here about two years ago. Well, two and a half now. Um, and one of the first things we noticed, because we moved here in May. And so like, uh, I think it was May's Days and then um, Blue Grass on Ballard. My wife and I just look at each other and like, there's an awful lot of car shows. Around here. <laughs> yeah. And now yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not a car guy, but like that was, uh, it was still cool even for me to go look at those vintage cars and yeah um it's just you can tell the passion and joy of taking care of those cars that those people have yeah yeah matter of fact the maze days is coming up this saturday in Mm -hmm. uh, in murphy at the psa whatever that place is Mm -hmm. called so i'm looking forward to being able to go there Mm -hmm. um uh, they, there's not been many car shows here in this area on Saturdays mm. and, uh, cause on Sundays I'm at church, mm-hmm. uh, working in the video department. And so I just, I can't get over there. And mm-hmm. so I'm looking forward to seeing what they have, uh, have this coming Saturday. And, uh, there's been some cool looking cars. There was one car show, um, uh, they're uh dennis uh collins brothers jeep mm-hmm. are you familiar with them on 544 um no but i i know the last name collins is uh royalty in in wiley so yeah. i assume they're a part of the collins clan well there was um uh the guy dennis collins has a youtube channel coffee mm-hmm. walk okay and uh and he they post an episode each friday well, this one particular Friday, uh, he showed a car, a Camaro, a new Camaro that uh, uh, had been souped up and whatever, specially, mm-hmm. uh, specially done, and uh, and so he showed that car. And then, um, so I I didn't show my truck. I just went through the car show, mm-hmm. and when I was in the car, I. I love the way some of these cars sound, Mm -hmm. just the the power and the motor and the sound. Mm -hmm. And so as I was leaving the parking lot, I could hear the car and, you know, he punched it and, you know, smoked the tires a little bit and and I get up there and there it is. Dennis Collins in that Copo Camaro coming (laughs) in to, to uh, do some burnouts at the show. So anyway, I, I just scoped the show out. I I went back home uh, to do something. I came back. And, uh, and he had parked, not directly in the car show, but a little ways away. Uh, and so he was about to leave and all these guys were standing around this car <laughs> going, wow, wow. You know, they were just, they were, um, just amazed that they could be around the car and he, and he took off and That's he funny. did the burnout thing and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So it was kind of cool to see all that. Yeah. So have you, I guess, have, has cars always been something you've been interested in? Yeah, um, it, it has. Uh, I just never have really uh, purposefully tried to get a fast car or a hot rod or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I've always been interested in cars. I mean, when I was a kid, I was building models. Uh, I had the hot rod magazines, car craft magazines, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's been a lifelong thing. So you mentioned you don't have a car to tinker on. Is that something you're looking for? Or is that a choice you've made to not tinker on cars and instead tell the stories of them? Well, actually I, I am searching for a Mustang GT, preferably a convertible, um, I could do with a fastback, but uh, just to have it to drive around occasionally, weekends and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. something that, uh, you know, 06, 08, somewhere around in there, where it's new enough 
that it doesn't require just a ton of work, mm-hmm. uh, but yet it's old enough to where it's not the brand new one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just kind of polish on it and keep it clean and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you know somebody that's got a 05, 6, 7, or 8 Mustang GT that they'd like to sell. I actually did, but I think he already sold it. So, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, guy I used to work with had a, I don't remember if that was the correct year, but he definitely had a Mustang that, you know, would only drive on perfectly cloudless day and mm-hmm. and only drive to certain places and park with on the line so nobody can park next to him that mm-hmm. sort of thing and mm-hmm. yeah he definitely had one of those um yeah so but he uh, i think he got married and that one uh, got uh, <laughs> priorities man priorities <laughs> oh i know um so I was going to tell you my my first ride was a uh, 2005 Dodge Neon. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> um, it uh, technically the first one I had was uh, a silver one. We went we test drove it to lunch, ate lunch, and came back, and they said there's a lot of damage under it, so we can't sell you this car. Here's a white <laughs> version of it. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm six foot four, as you know, so uh, it was a bit of a clown car. Uh, for me because it is a quite tiny um but the uh um i think my favorite story from that was uh i was on the club volleyball team uh at arkansas um and we had a tournament down in waco so that was probably i think like a seven or eight hour drive um and the um no actually this was when we went to san marcus so that was a 10 hour drive oh gosh I was the only one who volunteered to drive because um, I was club president um, and no one else wanted to drive. And I was like, y'all are going to be sorry, but uh, <laughs> if I drive, like we're going in my car and my car's tiny. Um, that was the last time uh, we went in my car, the first <laughs> and last time we went in my car um, because uh, we had five people in a Dodge Neon. Oh, wow. Um and I will also mention this was a volleyball team. So several of us were over six foot. Um, so we must have looked like a, the clown car, like <laughs> super clown car. Um, yeah. But yeah, I did want to tell that story to you because you, because uh, yeah, I've had two cars and I had that one all through college. And then um, it started, uh, turning off while i was driving it so we had oh that's uh, not good (laughs) yeah so we had to uh we had to upgrade once i got a full-time job um to what what i'm uh driving now which is hyundai tucson but uh but yeah fond memories of the of the dodge neon yeah were there there any is there anything that in in looking back on that that stirs up any kind of uh nostalgic memories or feelings in in during that time frame when you think back on driving around in the car like uh maybe a first date or a particular song that was playing through the radio at a certain time um i think the most nostalgia that i have is um i would transport so i went to school at arkansas my parents lived in wimberley in the hill country outside of austin so mm-hmm. 10 hour drive to college and 10 hour drive back. And when I first went to college, my parents drove. So they were in the driver's seat and passenger seat and everything I owned plus me, uh, (laughs) were in the back and, uh, the trunk. Uh, and we made it all the way to Fayetteville. Um, (laughs) the three of us plus all the, all the stuff I owned. And every year after that, uh, until I got an apartment and needed to get a U-Haul, I would put everything I owned in a, uh, in my Dodge neon and oh. drive home. Yeah. So those were long trips, but it just, there was a simplicity to the time that I could fit everything I owned into a Dodge neon. <laughs> yeah. That I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's good. Yeah. Um, so getting back to to your story um what what was the basis of starting the uh my first ride podcast there was um 
Well, I, I, I started a podcast for the home and garden show stuff. And, uh, but I, I wanted to do something with cars and I wasn't quite sure what that could be. <clears throat> I'm not a mechanic. I mean, I can work on cars, but, uh, you know, like turn wrenches and things like that. But that's not something I really do now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I came across an article. Uh, I forgot the website now. Jalopnik. Jalopnik.com. And the guy's name was Stephen Obachowski. I think that's what his name. Obachowski is his last name. He wrote an article about a guy in uh, somewhere up in Colorado that um, had went through a, a deal of, of buying a car with his dad, his, uh, the strained relationship with his dad. He really wanted the GTO, but the dad came back with a Camaro and uh, he wound up buying it uh, because his dad brought it over for him to look at. And then, um, and then it was a little bit cheaper than the GTO. So he, you know, he drove the car and uh, he goes off to, to the air force. And when he gets out of the air force, he comes back home and he's in a pickup truck driving somewhere and he gets T-boned and he's knocked out of the truck. Mm. Um, and he had a closed head injury and all kinds of things happened. He recovered from that, still had the Camaro. He drove the Camaro around and he was, uh, he was successful in the community as an electrician, but there sometimes with a closed head, closed head injury, uh, there are issues later on in life. And sure enough, it began to affect his memory and it got to the point where he, um, he couldn't pass the, the test for being a, an, an electrician because the cognitive thing has just declined. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there's a whole lot of stories he had about his Camaro that he was able to tell at that time. The Obachowski recorded some of those stories. And, and he was talking about his son being able, the guy with the Camaro, his son being able to uh, inherit the car and all that kind of thing. And I got to thinking there are a lot of stories that people have of their cars, first rides, you know, you know, car, truck, motorcycle, whatever. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things that, that people could talk about that they need to share those stories because that was, you know, it was a fun time in their lives in their, you know, their high school years, college years. And, um, and it just, you know, it's it's better. Um, well, I say that I think it's better to listen to some of those stories that uh, stir up those nostalgic emotions mm-hmm. than listening to some of the current news of the day that stirs up anxiety. Mm-hmm. And and I I got to thinking about some of the stuff that I did uh, in my car. Some things I can share. Some things I won't share. <laughs> and and I got to think of that why don't I just try to get people to, to record people to let them talk about mm-hmm. their first cars and, mm-hmm. and the experiences that, that they had some of the, and, and as some of the things that I have observed about millennials or whatever, it's, it tends now to be more about the experience mm-hmm. and not so much about, well, what can we, what possessions can we obtain? Mm-hmm. But even 50 years ago, it was, there were experiences that we had that mm-hmm. we cherished and people my age and older, you know, we're losing some of those stories and those stories need to be told to, to kids and grandkids. Mm. And uh, so they can, you know, know where, either dad came from or granddad came from or a grandma or our mom came from because mm-hmm. there's some gals out there that have some great car stories as well. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of what started that process with me of wanting to do my first ride podcast. Awesome. Yeah. I want to like, I really enjoyed this podcast experiment. I guess this is episode four, but just hearing people's stories and 
having them tell where they've come from, what they're doing now. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, it's just really interesting because everybody's got a story. Everybody's got yes. something that's, you know, that's special to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and allowing them space to express that is, I think, a, a, a special, special interaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, how, how was it that you, what prompted you to start this podcast? Um, going through leadership Wiley last year, I, we had a smaller class. So there's only, I think there was 12, 13 of us, something like that. Um, and I got to know people, but like when you're meeting up for leadership, Wiley, the schedule's booked, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're going from one place to another, you're learning a ton. Um, and you learn a lot about people, but, uh, having an hour long conversation with somebody, um, didn't always happen. So there were some people that I, you know, know their story somewhat, but, you know, selfishly, I'd like to know more type thing, you know, like get, get to know them a little better. Um, so I felt, uh, it would be fun to give this, uh, platform to, uh, the people in the class so that other people in the class can get to know them better. Um, and, you know, connect even on another level. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so yeah, that was really what it was is just trying to find a way to help connect people within the class and also just to get to know people personally, um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, give, you know, those who have been through leadership Wiley, who may want to get to know the current class, like give them an avenue to get to know everybody. And, um, you know, I've, this is an avenue that I think is, you know, obviously a lot more in depth than a one liner that you can type out on social media or something, you know, like it's, it's, um, really learning about people rather than just getting the highlights. Yeah. A lot, uh, whenever we left, uh, the library and went over to Carrollton, I went in and started listening to the podcast. The first one, I guess was Wendy. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, really, really enjoyed that. And I've listened to all three mm-hmm. and uh, really enjoyed that. And I never knew uh, Wendy's story. Uh, yeah. and, and I've, I've not been around her just a whole lot, mm-hmm. but enough to where we you know, talked a little bit. And uh, But it was interesting to hear about, I, I didn't know she lived out in West Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that, that she, I, I kind of knew but I didn't fully know about her going back to school mm-hmm. and, and then uh, teaching. Yeah. And so I knew she had been a teacher there here in Wiley, but uh, yeah, but yeah, so it, it really does. I mean, you do a great job with the interviews and, and uh, I really, really enjoyed those first three. So I appreciate it. Well, I'm enjoying yeah. number four. So yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's the little details that become more interesting. Cause now you like, if, if somebody else grew up in West Texas or something, you know, or lived in West Texas, that's a point of connection that they can uh-huh. go up to Wendy and be like, Oh, I used to live in whatever. And, yeah. um, it builds that in and makes, makes, uh, friendship and that friction a lot less. Cause you already have, you go in with, I know we have this in common, so you uh-huh. can start there and expand from there. So, yeah. um, that was really why I did. And I've, I've always had interest in, I listened to a ton of podcasts and I've mm-hmm. just had interest in, uh, having that style of conversation. I think it's yeah. just a fun thing what, to have and you learn more about people. What podcast do you like to listen to? Oh boy. That's a loaded question. I'm going to get my <laughs> phone out here, um, and start listing some, um, I do listen to several like accounting industry specific podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't list those. If you would like to know what those are, uh, people can get a, in touch with me at contact <laughs> at MMOSIS.com. Um, otherwise, um, listen to um, the Razorback Daily. I uh, got to get mm-hmm. make sure I'm up to date on my Arkansas sports. Uh, Choose FI is a, a financial independence podcast. It's money-based um, the diary of a CEO. Um, that's, uh, 
Stephen Bartlett. I actually just started listening to that one. Uh, the Rich Roll podcast. He interviews a wider range of people, uh, including endurance athletes. And I've been getting into triathlon the past couple of years. So that's been interesting. Um, deep questions with Cal Newport. Uh, Cal Newport's a guy I really, I really enjoy how he thinks. Uh, he's got a lot of, um, a lot of uh, productivity, but not in a um, not in a toxic way. Uh, <laughs> you know, some people are productive productivity, so we can get better, or not get better, but get more efficient, so we can do more, and then you just end up overloaded. <laughs> That's yeah. not his his deal. Um, Adam Grant's podcast, rethinking. Um, so a lot of um, mindset uh, interviews with successful people, businessy, mm-hmm. um, a reflection of what I like to read too, um, and that's where I get several of my books is interviews on those podcasts with various people, and I'll be like, oh, I liked what they had to say. I want to read their book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so yeah, those are just a few. Um, I'm assuming you're a podcast listener as well. I am. Um, there's um, what well, my I was listening through Stitcher, and and they say it's going away, but are, are going away, mm-hmm. but they have to do with uh, marketing and and mm-hmm. podcasting, mm-hmm. Um, wealth without, uh, forgot the title, wealth without Wall Street. That's been a good one. Um, Reaction to NASCAR 2024, mm-hmm. Dirty Mo Media. I like to listen to those guys. Mm-hmm. And um, Dale Jr., uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., mm-hmm. uh, he, when I first noticed him many years ago, he just, he, it didn't come across as being a guy that had much substance to him. Mm-hmm. And, um, but in listening to his podcast mm-hmm. uh he, he's got some substance and really enjoyed listening to some of the backstories of of nascar um there's uh uh this guy here uh eternal leadership um forgot his name but he he uh he talks about leadership and interviews a lot of different people in leadership another one phil cook um he talks about creative stuff. He is a producer, uh, whatever in Hollywood, but he's a Christian. Mm-hmm. So he, and, um, he's got some really good insight. Uh, he's had some fantastic guests. And so, uh, kind of, you know, marketing, uh, mm-hmm. stuff, rich dad, poor dad. Okay. I like to hear what he has to say. And mm-hmm. so, um, what else? Oh, Here's another car one. This this guy talks about. He's got a '64 and a half Mustang, mm-hmm. and all his podcast is about that era Mustang. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so awesome. yeah, I, I've got a bunch of them I listen to. Yeah, every time I think of NASCAR, um, my my dad's parents were really into NASCAR, and they had Dale Earnhardt stuff all mm-hmm. over their house, and so. Uh, that definitely uh, trips the nostalgia wire for me because uh, mm. every time I think of NASCAR, I think of that number three uh, yeah. every, everywhere in my grandparents' house. And um, and I followed it uh, for a little while. Um, and I would uh, I would pledge to being a Jeff Gordon fan there for a while just because they <laughs> yeah. were like, oh, Jeff Gordon. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, they would, uh, So, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then I met a really big Jeff Gordon fan and I would tell him I was a Jimmy Johnson fan and he, <laughs> same thing. It was, Oh no, I no, How could you like, that's terrible. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I was, that was, uh, uh, haven't done much with NASCAR, but it does hold a special place in my heart because of my grandparents <laughs> and then my friend who's a massive Jeff Gordon fan. He has yeah. a, uh, he had a Jeff Gordon man cave. So, Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't got that deep into NASCAR. I I, I do enjoy watching it on Sunday, Sundays. Um, mm-hmm. You know, probably the last forty laps, I try to watch because that's where 
a lot of the excitement happens. Mm -hmm. But uh, and those two pictures up there. Yeah, I see that. And there, uh, I got to drive those two cars out at uh, Texas Motor Speedway. Oh, nice. And uh, and that was an interesting experience because I thought, yeah, I'll be able to do this. I'll be able to drive this car as fast as it'll go. And I get out there and I'm, and in my head, I kind of know, okay, these tires are designed to be on this track, but they're bald as bald could be. And that messed with me. And uh, so I had a hard time trying to go as fast as I could, but it was uh -huh. a good experience. I had a good time. That was uh, Christmas and a birthday present from my, from my family. So That's awesome. it, it was good to do. Yeah. The, uh, you mentioned not being a mechanic, but appreciating cars. My dad once told us he got really into barbecue and like did like the Texas monthly top 50, like went to all of them oh, wow. and stuff like that. And we were like, well, like we don't really do big gifts or anything, but are you interested in like a big green egg or, you know, yeah. a Traeger or some sort of like really nice grill uh, for barbecuing? And he goes, no, 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 no. I appreciate the art. I don't like to create it. <laughs> you're you're uh, uh -huh. you're you're i'm not a mechanic i like i like the cars but not necessarily mm -hmm. like looking to do a custom engine or anything like that so right i felt i felt that that was kind of apt for our conversation uh, yeah yeah um so got four more questions for you one in which is a question from the previous guest and after this i will ask you uh to ask a question of the per unknown next guest um if you could have dinner with anyone past or present, who would it be? Good question. Very good question. Wow. Man, there's a lot of different people that I could think of. Um, you can give a few. We'll say it's a dinner party if you want. Okay. You can't All narrow right. it down to just one. Okay. Um, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Okay. Uh, I think that would be an interesting time to talk with him. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen several interviews that he's done, and, and he just looks like an interesting guy. Um, Jimmy Johnson, uh, that would be an interesting one. Um, kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, Phil Cook, who has the, um, the, uh, the podcast I was talking about. I... Um, I went to a conference in August, and he was actually a speaker at the conference. So I did get to meet him there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just, you know, you don't get to do much other than, hi, my name's Gary Niner. Good to meet you. And then move on. Right. But uh, he seems like a real interesting guy. Um, who else? Anybody else? Um I can't really think of anybody else right now. Fair enough. Uh, what have you been reading or watching lately? <laughs> There's a YouTube channel that uh, somehow it, it popped up in my... It got into your algorithm? Yes, it did. And, uh, well, my, my wife and I, she started watching... Um, Sandy Brock and Sandy Brock is in Canada and she raises sheep commercially. Okay. And that's to me, that's been very fascinating to watch mm -hmm. um, because that's a part of the world. I just have never seen. Uh, and her husband also farms like 1600 acres or something like that. So we'd get to see them out planting and harvesting things like that. Uh, but then there is one that the one that popped up, uh, Laura Farms, and um, she and her husband. She's she's in her early twenties. So is her husband. Uh, they are like third or fourth generation farmers up in Nebraska, hmm. and um, in watching what they do and how hard they work, both her podcast. And Sandy Brock, uh, I have a great appreciation for what people do to get products, uh, mm -hmm. to, to get all that stuff to us. 
Mm-hmm. And because uh, they they just uh, Laura Farms, they just got through harvesting the uh, their soybeans, mm-hmm. and they you know showed the what all they went through and the drama of stuff breaking and all that kind of things. And now they're on to the corn, and they raise corn for uh, to be used as ethanol uh, or cow feed, mm-hmm. and um, and then they have the big irrigation things that they they use and. Um, man, they they work hard. They you know late nights at day, day in and day out. They they do get to take some time off and have some fun. But man, as a farmer, yeah, you always there. Same thing with raising cattle. You always have to be there. So mm-hmm. so I've enjoyed watching that. Awesome. I I had never heard of those, so that's interesting. Um, what would be your advice to someone nearing retirement? When you retire, don't sit in front of the TV and melt into the recliner. (laughs) Have something to do. Uh, Be active. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't just sit around because that's that's not good. Mm -hmm. So uh, that would be my biggest advice right there. Yeah. I like the... uh... And it goes for retirement. It goes for changing jobs and things like that. It's like uh, run towards something, not away from mm-hmm. something. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And then the last question is a real softball. Where can people find out more about you, your podcast, anything else you want to pump up? Uh, yeah. Uh, my website is myfirstridepodcast.com. And uh, when I post a, uh, when I get an episode done, I'll post it on the website, also on YouTube and, uh, my first ride podcast on YouTube, uh, I actually have a, uh, a channel on the YouTube. And, uh, so yeah, that's the uh, best way to, to reach out to me. And, uh, my email address, probably better Gary Neidert at outlook.com. I've got one specifically for, uh, my first ride podcast, but I don't check that one just every day. So yeah. fair enough. Well, thank you for our conversation today. I really, uh, it was really interesting. Um, and we, we hit a lot, of, we hit a lot of different things. We hit cars, we hit podcasting, we hit sales, retirement <laughs> all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, Gary. Well, thank you. I appreciate being able to come on the podcast and and share. Yes. Thanks.